It's the Locked On Canes podcast, where it's all about the you. My name is Fred Purdue. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by my co-host, Cam Underwood. What's going on, Cam, after a big win against Louisville? Yo, what's going on, y'all, man? It's good to be here. It's good to win another game. Uh, It's good to be half right on my prediction. We'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, But, yeah, man, you know, it feels good to to have another win under the belt, officially bowl eligible, going into the third and final bye week of the year. So, I mean, I'm good with it. Bowl eligibility, and we'll kind of get into that. We may get into that a little bit, um, probably throughout the rest of the week, because we have a bye week, so we have a little little time on our hands. So we can kind of talk scenarios, bowl scenarios and recruiting and all of that. But we're not here for that today. We're here to talk – Louisville, the good, the bad, the ugly. But before we get into things, let's go ahead and make sure you guys know where to find us. You can find us on Twitter at Locked On Canes. You can find myself on Twitter at Fred Purdue CFB. Cam, you can find him at Underwood Sports on Twitter. So we got a big win against the Louisville Cardinals. You know, I thought explosive plays were going to be a thing. I just didn't think it was going to be like this. I mean, the good. We can kind of start out with the good. The offense did exactly what I thought it would do. Lots of points early and often. Jaron Williams looks like he, the clock has slowed down in his head and the game is slowing down for him. And this is happening at the right time. Yeah, man. You know, and uh, last year uh, I said that Jaron Williams flashed talent, but the game was a step too fast for him. Mm-hmm. You know, just linebackers were flowing under those RPO slants in a way that he didn't remember them being able to do from high school. And, you know, it was like just a click too fast. And like you're saying now, he's almost like Neo in the Matrix where, nah, I see all the code. Okay, cool. Like, I can do whatever I want. I can go wherever I want. And let it be also said, that is indicative of the incredible improvement on the offensive line. Exactly. Because Jaron has time to process those things. When before, and he even he said it again after the Florida game, he said, yo, I was seeing ghosts. Like, I was not trusting the protection. Like, stuff was happening, and I had to move. But now, on, you know, all of these touchdown passes, and I say all of these because if you're not, if you didn't watch the game and catching up, Jerry Williams had a Miami program record six touchdown passes in the game. So more than any other quarterback that you can think of, Heisman Trophy winners, Gino Toretta, Vinny Testaverde, Ken Dorsey, Steve, or well, uh, Craig Erickson. Wasn't that Morris. record Stephen Morris's, if I remember correctly? Or was it He Bre- was tied. He was tied for it. I remember it. Yeah. Was it the NC State game long when time he threw ago? For 466, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay, I thought so. So there were a bunch of guys tied with five, um, and then Jaron hit his sixth, which also ties the ACC record with such luminaries as uh, Deshaun Watson and mm-hmm. some other people as well. Um, but yeah, getting back to the point, Jaron's being able to see the, the code. He's been, the game is slowing down for him. The offensive line is giving him so much protection. And, you know, he's hitting these throws. And again, I know that, you know, uh, Miami, you know, official athletic uh, department, the, the Canes football website, you know, they're tweeting out, oh, you know, Jaron Williams hitting the deep ball now and da 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 da. Look, I still lean back on the fact that early this season he was not healthy because Jaron Williams did not look like this. If Jaron Williams looked like he did, does now, then it would have been a different thing. The ball was hanging up there. It, was, it didn't have zip on it. Jaron Williams that ended up sitting is not the Jaron Williams we're seeing now. And this Jaron Williams, yo, like, man, you can see why he was an All-American in high school. He got the start in the U.S. Army All-American game over Trevor over Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, yep. 
they were on the same team, and he and Jaron Williams outperformed him through the week of practice and started that game. Now, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is amazing, but when you look at what Jaron Williams is doing, you see a quarterback with similar kind of talent, and yo, the production is starting to get there as well. You know, when I I remember when I first heard of Jaron Williams on the recruiting trail. You know, you hear about guys a little later sometimes, uh, but I heard about. I said, "Who is this Jaron Williams kid?" I was for for just to pull the the veil back. I was really my quarterback recruiting crush was Jaden Daniels, all who, who ended up at Arizona State. That's who I followed all year long. And then that's a good player. <laughs> yeah, he is. You know, when you get six thousand yards of offense, you have to watch. I mean, in a single year, in a single year that's video game numbers I mean you know but when I saw when I saw this Jerry Williams kid I'm like who's this kid he he has a good arm he's pretty mobile and you know the one thing I remember throughout this game I said man this game reminds me of the film I watched of him on my first impression of him I usually watch about two or three games of a recruits film and say "Mm, okay I can make a decent assessment of him especially if this is the final version of what we'll see going into uh, his in his senior year. I mean, he's getting out of the pocket, taking off when he needs to. Not every time he does not have happy feet. He has actually good footwork, and I that's rare from a guy, at least at the high school level, much less his redshirt freshman season with multiple offensive coordinators. So you know, you when I see the fundamentals, I look at that first. I've, I'm a quarterback guy, so I study these guys, and I say. I don't care. Your arm will take care of itself. That's a God given thing. But your footwork is, if your footwork is good, the ball will, will go wherever your feet are pointing. Um, the other thing is the game, his ability to slide in the pocket. I've always said there's two types of mobile quarterbacks there's one, there's your Michael Vick, Lamar Jackson. Um, you're Raquel Cunningham. You know, you have those guys. Those are those athletically gifted guys that, that you can't teach that. And then you have guys like your Tom Brady's, your Peyton Manning's, not comparing Jaron Williams to any of those guys, but those guys who are able to slide around in the pocket, find open windows and open lanes, throwing lanes, and they can either deliver short strikes or they can take the top, take the top off a of defense and just, just drop it in a bucket. And Jaron has that ability. And by the way, he can scoot out of there every now and then. Yeah, you know, and we saw that. You know, uh, I was joking around on Twitter calling him Jaron Vick because he ran more uh, <laughs> than we'd seen. But it was effective running. You know, it was a uh, he ran seven times for 23 yards. So that's four times for whatever. I mean, for uh, minus the sack yardage. Um, you know, but I mean, that's that's four rushes for 30 something. Um, Two of them good. were for huge first down conversions on third and long. Yeah, one was yeah, a third and eight, and I think one was a third and seven. When right. It, when the game was – it was kind of, what, a two-touchdown game? And the, going into the half, I remember that one. And I said, man, mm-hmm. we just need a conversion. Just keep the ball moving. Keep the sticks right. moving. And he found a way to keep the sticks moving. And it's Louisville. But still, those guys have athletes. They are on scholarship too. And he, he made – he's a playmaker. And when you have yeah. a guy like him, ooh – you know, I got really excited because I'm saying this. If this is what we're seeing now, wait till he gets an off season to really get hit. Because he, you could tell he winced a couple times, and you could tell mm-hmm. maybe something happened. But you know what happens when he gets fully healthy? This offensive line gets another year together, an off season together. They this offense gels because I've always said every quarterback and offensive line, a good offense needs two, maybe three years together to really mm-hmm. just be when they're hitting. 
You know, when Deshaun Watson was at Clemson, he had a few years to kind of get it together, and you you saw it. So now give him an offseason, and I'm, I'm trying not to get excited. You can hear it in my – I know you can hear it in my voice. I'm trying not to get too excited because I've seen the Stephen Morris era and the Brad Kaya era where – all the hype comes, and then there's no explosive Alabama-type offense. I'm not expecting that, but I want to see numbers. I want to see fireworks, but I don't want to get too excited. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's reason for optimism and excitement for sure. And getting back to your point, Jaron ran for six on third and four and 12 on third and nine uh, in the second quarter, both of those, to make conversions uh, to keep the ball moving. And, yeah, you know, just it was, uh, you know, Miami went 50% on third downs, which is crazy. Um, that's a first. You know, that's a that's, I, that's, that's a first. first in a long time. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, you know it was a, it was it was a, a very strong performance. He hit a lot of uh, you know vertical throws, and he I mean he was pretty accurate. Fifteen out of twenty two on the day. Um, that first t- or second touchdown, the one to D Wiggins where he ran the post route and the Louisville cornerback went spinning around and running out of bounds. Oh yeah, I saw, yeah, that was, <laughs> was lovely. That was lovely. lovely. But I mean, my favorite. Of the six touchdowns. I mean, it's almost like, you know, I don't have children, but it's almost like saying which one of of your children is your favorite Mm -hmm. because you love them all in different ways. Um, I loved the last one to Mike Harley, which was another inside post route. Yeah, yeah. In triple coverage. mm -hmm. Just dropped it in the bucket. Bloop. I'm like, okay. Like, yeah, he was. That was a heat check. That was that was that was Steph Curry pulling up from forty five right there. <laughs> like I'm gonna throw it because I'm in the zone and like yeah okay mm, got that. So that was that was my favorite. But yeah, you know, the offensive line was great. Um, defense was strong. Had fourteen tackles for loss. I want to say. Um, so that's awesome. The explosive plays on the other side. Well, Ooh. no, sorry. I don't want to. I don't want to get to the bad yet. So we got a couple more good. Um, Mike Harley, career day, six catches for 116 and two touchdowns, including that last one I, I referenced. Um, and also just a salute to all of the seniors. You know, it was senior day. It was homecoming. It was a big official visit weekend uh, with two official visitors and a bunch of other unofficial visitors as recruits in the building. So uh, lots of the South Florida community uh, there, especially from the high school football ranks, because the way that the playoffs are, you know, most guys aren't going to be able to schedule out-of-town official visits right now because their teams might still be playing. But where could they just pull up on a Saturday because it's around the corner? Hard Rock Stadium. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those guys were there. So, uh, yeah, there was a lot, to, really, really, really a lot to like. You know, for me, the for the good, I think we may have found our number one receiver going into next year. D. Wiggins, I, I had a lot of just questions about uh, you know, he's height, weight, speed guy, but you know what happens when you get the height, weight, speed guy. He's not always the best route runner. Uh, he's He has suspect hands. Well, D. Wiggins, we I can see – give him a, a, an offseason to really refine those routes, get those cuts a little sharper. He's a deep threat. He can catch it underneath and take it for six. He has he can be a complete package kind of guy. He just has to continue developing. But over the last two weeks, I like what I've seen from him because he has the size where he can be unguardable. He he's gonna beat you deep. He can do that. And when if it's a 50-50 ball, good luck. Yeah, I mean he like you said, height weight speed guy. Um he was high school teammates with Mark Pope. Mark Pope who's yeah. like more the flashy guy, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? He's more of that speed Jeff Thomas type guy. Mm-hmm. Even though he's not as fast, he's still a fast guy. But 
you know, D. Wiggins was the other wide receiver from Southridge that Miami got that year. And it's kind of funny because the other quote-unquote guys at a couple positions profile maybe is better down the line. If you mm-hmm. look at D. Wiggins, he was the other guy that we got from Southridge. He, like you said, could be a number one guy moving down the line. Cam Harris was, quote-unquote, the other running back in that class as opposed to five-star Lorenzo Lingard. But Cam Harris is the one who's out here developing and making plays while Lingard, you know, had an injury issue and, you know, is still is redshirting again this year. Um, you know, so some of these, quote-unquote, other guys, the not number one at the position but the twos and threes, those are the guys who are really developing. So that's a, that's a shout-out and a credit to uh, just the player development department, you know, the strength and conditioning staff, and just, you know, the coaches in general for being out there and doing the work with these guys. Definitely. Um, and for me, last but not least, I got to give a shout out to this offensive line. You know, Manny Diaz said over throughout the week, he said, it's one thing to get up for Florida State. Everyone gets, everyone on the in the program gets up for Florida State. The water girl gets up for Florida State. She going to pour the best water she can. <laughs> you know, she this is this water going to be a little bit different than right. than than any other week. But, you know. Putting stringing those games together, it started with Pitt at the end of the Pitt game, the last drive. Jaron Williams came in and, and saved the day. It, it bled over to Florida State, and now it's going into the into Louisville. I mean, the offensive line looked good. It looks like again things are slowing down, and, and for guys that are redshirt freshmen, it should have already slowed down. But when you get that game experience, and guys are finally buying into the little details. You know, I think you don't as a as a, a player on this t- a current player, you don't want former players just dogging you. At some point, you just have to grow a pair and just say, "Look, I got to do better." And I think that's what's happening right now. These guys are finally seeing the fruits of their labor, and they like what they see. Yeah, I mean that's that's true. And like I said, I already shouted them out, uh, but I do want to also shout out. Uh, you know, or again, uh, agree with you that the offensive line is seeing the fruit of their labor. They are really, you know, progressing in a positive way, which is great. Um, but yeah, last shout out just to the seniors, specifically linebackers Shaq Quarterman and Mike Pinckney, uh, on outstanding careers at home at least. I know that their careers at Miami are not over, so I'm not going to give them their flowers uh, in that kind of a way. But they did have a special moment at the end of the game uh, that was caught on on camera, uh, where they you know uh, were already on the bench because you know the defense finally uh, they went to the second team to give uh, you know the younger guys some experience and. 55 and 56 were over there, and they, you know, just kind of had a hug and embrace uh, and everything. Mm-hmm. And then Zach McLeod came over as well because he was in the same recruiting class as those guys. So even though McLeod is going to come back for a fifth year, you know, those guys, uh, Quarterman and Pinckney, they're, they're going to be moving on, uh, you know, to the next level and everything. But it, w- it was just really special to see them uh, and their brotherhood and their camaraderie there um, just, you know, celebrating that last moment and their their journey here at Hard Rock Stadium. So uh, a couple of lows, you know, those uh, – that one uh, Florida State game, uh, their freshman year that they lost, mm-hmm. um, you know, on the blocked extra point, which, I mean, I was in the in- end zone where that happened. And that was such a heartbreaking event because they gave everything, the whole team gave everything. But, you know, just, you know, beating Florida State at home once, you know, that Notre Dame beat down Virginia Tech at home in 2017 as well. And just everything that they've been through. Uh, these four years uh, together. It was really just special to see them uh, come together and, and celebrate that moment. So shout out to them. Definitely shout out to them and my guy, Jimmy Murphy. Uh, 
what can you say about a kid, man? To come from where he's come, to be where he's at making a play. I mean, that's what you come to Miami for, regardless of where you come from. So, shout out to him. Uh, but we we talked about the good. Of course, you have to talk about the bad. If we could, we could just erase the bad. The bad, there really is no bad in a win, but we got to talk about it. We got to talk about it. So, we'll talk about the bad on the other side. All right. So, the bad. Uh, where do we start? The points? I mean, 27 points on explosive plays. That's where what really. I mean, it can, you can start with Tutu Atwell, which we talked about in the week. We said if we if you contain him, you know, you you have a chance. I mean, he caught he took a jet sweep up the sideline and he he saw a crease, and I had visions of a one Chris Rainey who I saw in high school for four years, and I had visions of this young man who is a Florida who is a Florida Gator, but that's the what kind of speed that Tutu Atwell has. I mean, it, it was like a blur. Yeah, I mean, it was a mesh route. It was a, a you know man beater crossing route, and basically just got confusion on the Miami defense, and mm-hmm. uh, was able to get up the sideline. I thought that, that block against Amari Carter was a block in the back that sprung mm-hmm. Atwell up the sideline. It was. But they didn't call that. But the, and look, I mentioned that as what I thought happened. I'm not blaming that for you know the, the touchdown, but yeah, you know, uh, I thought that was. <sighs> I mean, 27 points, and that's what I teased in the opener. That was 100% correct by me because I said 34-27. You can mm-hmm. go back and listen to Friday's episode. You can go back to stateoftheview.com and look at uh, my prediction article uh, or the question and answer I did with the, our SB Nation colleagues over at uh, Card Chronicle about that. I said that they were going to score points because that's what they do on offense. Like they, Their defense, like we saw, can be Swiss cheese like you called it, and that's true. But on the other side, yeah, the offense is going to get points, you know. Um, I, for a time, looked like I might be close to my Louisville rushes for less than 100 yards. But uh, Hassan Hall creased Miami for the last touchdown uh, for 58 yards. And so, and they had like another couple run plays. So they got to 168. But if you take away that 58 yarder and you take away a couple runs on the last drive, you're right at my prediction there. Also, for you know, Miami holding uh, them under 100 yards, which is, you know, again, absent a couple big plays. But yeah, you know, the, the bad I would say was some of the tackling just because it wasn't, you know, we didn't necessarily do a great job of uh, getting, getting their guys on the ground. Um, and you let, Louisville hold the ball for 32 three minutes but the bright side of Louisville holding the ball for that long is Miami just scored fast yes you know so when when you score fast then you let the other team have the ball so um and also I will say that uh I did think that Louisville had a couple holding calls that were not called again (laughs) not blaming but just saying that's a thing that I saw yeah, the tackling, it was hit or miss. Um, DJ Ivy actually had, uh, they he had an open field tackle on Tutu Atwell where it was, I mean, he was he was in space. And I said, oh, God, okay. So DJ Ivy, uh, as soon as Tutu caught it, I said, well, you're about to get your ankles broken. And he didn't. And, and I said, okay, maybe this won't be so bad. Uh, the misdirection in the, in the aggressiveness of this defense, I said it 
throughout the week. I said, this is going to be a problem. And there was a play action. Uh, tight end caught it right up down the seam, right in the back of the end zone. I knew, I, I'm like, well, that's going to happen. That I expected that. I expected a wheel route of some sort. Though they hit the wheel route. Yeah, they hit the wheel route. I expected that. Uh, I mean, the, these are all things that aggressive defenses ha- that happen. It doesn't matter what level of football you are on. You play hyper-aggressive, you're going to get beat with misdirection and just really – and you have add really good athletes. I mean, they have athletes. Hassan Hall, Tutu Atwell. Those guys, ha- those guys are speedsters. Now they may not play at a, a top-level D1 school, but you put a couple of go- those guys on a team, they'll give you problems. Yeah, man. You know, it's just a – you know, like you said, speed, 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 speed. Um, you cannot have necessarily too much of it. And, you know, Louis, Louisville has a lot of it, uh, whether it's their quarterback, um, Tutu Atwell, uh, the running back, uh, Hall and Hawkins. Um, just, uh, yeah, a lot of speed. And that was able to, you know, they were able to use that to good advantage against Miami's defense. Um you know, I thought that, I mean, it's not my team because, like, you know, we're Hurricanes over here, but mm-hmm. um, 14 penalties for 121 for Louisville? Yikes, buddy. Yeah, that like, sounds like uh, a Miami stat line, not a, not a Louisville stat line. You know what I mean? But uh, Tons of false yeah. starts. Tons of false starts. Especially. I mean, and then and people want to say that, you know, there's no home field advantage at Hard Rock Stadium. What are y'all talking about? You know, like, go back to 2017, Notre Dame came in talking all that noise. You know, their defensive coordinator for this great Catholic school, you know, on the middle of the field, cussing up a storm, you know, uh, and everything. And then after the game, he said, yo, we thought we were prepared for something. And that was different. And I know that that was like a destination game. It was the 8 o'clock game, game day game, all that kind of stuff. But still, you had Louisville with all these false starts. That means that the assembled crowd was doing something well. You know, that they were impacting the game on some kind of a way. Um, you know, and, oh, two quick things I do want to say uh, for the good. I know this is out of order. Number one, Miami got three turnovers, uh, a fumble recovery by Jimmy Murphy on a muff punt by Tutu Atwell, by the way, and two interceptions. That's great. And five for five red zone scoring for the Miami Hurricanes in this game, four touchdowns and a field goal. That's outstanding and such a great improvement from what we've seen this year. Definitely was, definitely was. Uh, for me, uh, and, and it's not really a bad, it's kind of like a, it's a good and bad. It's, and it, like you, we, you alluded to it earlier, was time of possession. Kane scored way too fast. I mean, every possession, it seemed like they were going right down the field or flipping the field, uh, but there was a, t- a bit of a time difference. Uh, Louisville had the ball 33 minutes and two seconds. Miami had the ball for 26 minutes and 58 seconds. So, but it, can it really be a bad if we're scoring? Yeah, fast? that's what. I'm, yeah, that I, I'm torn. Do I want to give throw this back to the good, or do I want to leave it right where it's at? You know. I mean, like I, I went into the stats, so let's let's look at this. You have a one play touchdown drive, the bomb to Wiggins. That's 15 seconds. You had a one play touchdown drive, the screen to DJ Dallas. That's 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. You had a three play drive on the last touchdown. Uh, pass to Harley. That's 57 seconds. You had, you know, like even your drive drives were actually going. I mean, the first drive of the game was seven plays, 92 yards in 255. Like even when we had to span the whole freaking field, mm-hmm. you know, it's still only 
you know, 79 yards, 317, 66 yards, 323, uh, 32 yards. Okay, that was a short drive that took a while, 259. But still, all these drives were like less than four minutes, but we're scoring, like we're putting you're touchdowns you're on the board. scoring points, exactly. It's kind of, it's one of those things if you look at the stat line and you say, well, why don't we have the ball long? But you would actually, it's one of those things you have to watch the tape instead of actually watching the stat bar. Yeah. So, We've talked about the good. We've talked about the bad. There's not a lot of ugly, but we have to address the ugly. We'll talk about that in a sec. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Just go to GetRoman.com locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. All right, so the bad. No, I'm sorry, the ugly. And this is, it has nothing to do with Miami whatsoever. But Makai Becton, I, you, we talked about him earlier in the week. He's been one of the best left tackles in football. I even said he may not be a left tackle, but, you know, he maybe end up being a right tackle. I'm sitting here watching the game. Me and my wife are sitting here watching the game, and she's like, who is that large individual over there for Louisville? And I'm saying, that's Makai Becton. She's like, no, that's that he and I'm like she's like where does how does Louisville get a guy like him like that? She's not you know she's not into recruiting and things like that. He was a three star recruit. Don't let's not act like he was like some five star guy. But kudos to them for great recruit uh, for good recruiting and player development. He went down and when the second he went down, their offense was in shambles. It's crazy to think how a tackle can make your whole offense, but he's a mountain of a man, six, seven, like three, eight, three seventy. that, I mean, I mean, he, and in the run game, we had no chance. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, it was ugly to see, um, you know, his production and then like him leaving with the injury, uh, which is another star player that's gone down against Miami this year, uh, in all freak accident kind of ways. Um, but yeah, you know, he, like I said, he's big and, and strong and, uh, they're able to run behind him, which they did, uh, you know, to great success. So uh, that was a little ugly for me. Um, man, yeah, they're, all of the defensive stats, basically, other than tackles for loss. And it was, the disparity was crazy. It was like 40% of their plays were zero gain or loss, but like 20% of them were explosive, you know. So you have what are the, you had 14 chunk plays, uh, passes of 15 or more, and runs of 10 or more. You had 11 of those go for 20 or more. So you had like almost 300 yards of offense on 11 plays and you give up 500 yards of offense, 170 rushing, which like I said, with a couple of plays going differently is under 100, which was my bold prediction of the week. Um, Yeah, it just... It was a mixed bag. It was a very mixed bag because one minute you're seeing good tackling and the defense is flowing to the football because the whole time, you know, I'm... I've always said the easiest way to stop an offense like this is just to stretch it out and stay. It's it's almost like having to play that old Georgia Tech offense where you're having to play assignment sound, gap sound, stretch this thing out from sideline to sideline and let your guys rally. That is the core principle of stopping that outside stretch zone offense. It's regardless if it's Mike Shanahan and Terrell Davis, whether it's the Atlanta Falcons with uh, Devontae Freeman or with this team here, this Louisville team stopping these guys. It's one of those things that 
it's just being able to stick with your fundamentals. And and I get it, this defense is an aggressive bunch, but in this game, if any game, the one thing you do, you stop the run, you make this team completely one-dimensional because Mikael Cunningham is not the guy that you're going to say he's going to sit there, go through read one, read two, read three, check down. He's not that guy. It's read half the field, and if nothing's there, take off. He's not even looking at his check down. It's just the way it is. Yeah, but it didn't even need to get to the check down because they still threw for three. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I mean, on that 2-2 that Atwell touchdown, yeah, that was a short pass. It ends up going for 80, but that wasn't a check down. That, wasn't a, that was, a, that was, just, that was a just a crossing mesh yep, route yep. that came open. You know, and as a right-handed quarterback, you want to go from right to left, you know, as the, the crosser because it's easier to make that throw, uh, as the, well, as the way that he dropped it is. So, boom, you hit that in rhythm right over the middle in front of mm-hmm. you, let him run, and it's gone. Mm-hmm. You know, so – it was, yeah, I mean, the, the intermittent breakdowns of the defense. Because, like I said, you know, 40% of their plays were no gain or losses. But, man, when they started going, getting up the field, Louisville, it was explosive every single time. And that just, you, I mean, you cannot get outflanked in the run game as much as you did. Um, you cannot, you just, those things need to tighten up, basically. Yeah, and I think those type of things will those type of things will happen as Manny Diaz and company get better recruits. I mean, I'm not saying we're not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say this defense is just a terrible defense. They're just an okay defense. This defense isn't the the defense of the last couple of years when even when you had guys like Malik Young on the team, you know, you had or even uh, Joe Jackson and, and, and company, the Sheldrick and and Jaquan, you had those guys. I think that defense would have probably held your held serve and probably maybe held that team to maybe 75, 80 yards on the ground versus what we see now. And it, they would have controlled that a little bit better and saying those safeties would have been able to communicate, guys, stay home. Don't be so aggressive. Whereas with this young bunch, you're going to see guys make mistakes. Yeah. And I mean, we did see some mistakes. So, um, I mean, but the beautiful thing is only 27 points, even with 500 yards of offense, which doesn't really make sense. It doesn't make um, sense at all. <laughs> you know, but you had that interception in the end zone by DJ Ivy. So, I mean, that could have been 34, 35, you know, because they didn't miss the extra point uh, to make it 27 instead of 28. Um, so that could have been up to 35 potentially. So, I mean, there are things that did go right uh, for Miami's defense, but there was a lot that went wrong um, in the ugly. So uh, there was that. Um, there was one other thing that I wanted to say in the ugly. Where is it? I don't remember it. I can't find it. Oh, well. <laughs> you know, but you know what? If, it, if it's – I look at it like this with this team. Um, you're bowl eligible, so that may – that's at least you accomplish one of your goals going into the season. Of course, national championship is always the ultimate goal, conference championship. All those things are great. But at this point in the season where you're 6 and 4 and you still I, I st- I'm still holding on to this whole ACC coastal win thing. It it needs a lot. I mean, we need a lot of help. We so need much help. we need a lot of help, but it's not over until it is till that clock hit zero at the very end of the season. So we, I'm holding out a little hope. I, I mean, just a little. Look, and, and the thing about it is with the help that's needed and other people have like looked at the scenarios a little closer than I have. So I got to do a little bit of studying, but I believe that there are from what I've seen other people saying, 
like a couple specific game results that we need. So it's not even just generally like, oh, a couple teams have to lose. It's like, no, no, you have to lose this game to this team Mm -hmm. kind of help. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, because we're in the last three weeks of the year, you know, so the the help, it goes from general to specific uh, for the games that other teams need to lose for Miami to get to the ACC championship game. But, you know, like you said, the hope is still out there, um, and that is possible. Yeah, so... We have a bye week this week. We so I think we're gonna. Oh yeah, we have. Wait, a, wait. I'm sorry. I know that uh, I, I just spoke over you. Uh oh. I remembered what I wanted to say to all of the Louisville fans. Uh oh. Who were calling Miami dirty? Ooh. You can go to hell. Ooh. And I put this in no uncertain terms. At the end of the good, the bad, and the ugly up on stateoftheview.com, which is still on the front page of the website, something that I wrote, and it is right there. I'm sick and tired of it because I saw all the memes on Twitter from the last three wins that you've had against the University of Miami, which is the only three wins that Louisville's ever had against the University of Miami. I saw the pictures of Devontae Parker standing over Deion Bush in the end zone from that bowl game at the end of the 2013 season. I saw the photos from the 2014 season opener, Brad Kaya's first career start as a true freshman to open Louisville's time in the ACC. I saw all of that. I read every word of the trash that y'all talked, and then y'all got blew out down here in South Florida, blown out by a better team, and then you want to say that Miami's dirty? Absolutely not. I'm not going to accept that. And I said that in this sentiment, and you hear the passion in my voice. I use some of those choice four-letter words that I'm not using on this microphone. I wrote them in there. So I urge you to go read that. And I mean every word of that sincerely because I'm sick and tired of being of people saying what they want to say implicitly, like, oh, or, you know, w- without controversion. Oh, we're just going to say this or whatever. We're going to call Miami dirty because Miami is dirty or they are this, a native state of being. Absolutely not. You got your brains bashed in, all these kind of things. And if you want to talk about dirty garbage plays, we can talk about dirty garbage plays because Louisville had 14 penalties. We had multiple face masks on Louisville that were uncalled. We had chop blocks, combination blocks, which can injure people that Louisville did, not Miami. So I'm sick and tired of that. Now, I understand that the history of the series is something that Louisville fans want to lean on and say, okay, well, we beat Miami three times, and you know this is the pinnacle of our success, and da 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 That's perfectly fine and good. But what y'all are going to do is shut up. And in the interest of the preservation of this podcast, I'm done. Oh, the soapbox, the slander. I love it. I love it. I, I feel some Florida State type hate in your voice a little bit. I like it. Bruh, and like, honestly, because when, and I know the guy, Mark Ennis, he's, he's a good guy. He, he does radio in Louisville. He writes for Card Chronicle sometimes uh, and Rivals and everything. But when he said that, that got me pissed off. I was honestly at that time I was like, look, Miami's gonna win this game. We're gonna win by two, maybe three touchdowns. Da, da, da. Nah, you wanna say that? Turn it up. Run the score up. Let's go. And honestly, like I said in this piece, I wish that Miami would have scored more points. So you can choke on that. Ooh. 
Those are some strong words. Those are some very strong words. Uh, I will say this: uh, we do have a we have a bye week, and in the words of one fa- one six-time Super Bowl winning coach, uh, we are on to the bye week. We are undefeated in this week, so we we have good things to talk about throughout the rest of this week. I have two special guests coming in. Uh, so we two got of them? two. Not one, oh, wow. not not one, but two. So you know, right. you know. So we got some some things to talk about. We're going. We, we, we might take take it back a little bit, rewind the clock a little bit, and then we'll be talking a little bit more about recruiting because, of course, we had some visitors. Of course, they they've been told come to the University of Miami. But we want to talk a little, get dive a little bit more deeper into um, into this whole recruiting thing, as uh, early signing period is upon us in the next couple of weeks. So we'll be talking. about It's like a month. Well, hey, 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 don't don't speed up on me now. I got like four and a half weeks now. I need I need my time before that happens. Yo, like relax. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, we have we, we have time. We'll kind of we'll be talking a little bit of recruiting over the next few weeks. So stay tuned for that. Make sure you go follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Canes. Make sure you leave us your mailbag questions. Leave us your shout outs. Make sure you go find uh, with the hashtag Locked On Canes. Go fo- go on to, uh, Apple Podcasts. Make sure you leave us a rating. Leave us a like. Subscribe to the podcast. We want to hear from you. You can also find myself on Twitter at Fred Produce CFB. You can find Cam on Twitter at Underwood Sports. We will be talking a lot more Canes football in the next week because we have we don't have an opponent. So let us know what you want to hear. Okay. So for Cam, this is Fred. This is the Locked On Canes podcast, and we are out. Go Canes.